0: Uh, if you remember from last week, if you were here last week, we looked at kind of the the overall um, outline of Second Peter, and it's really simple. It's three chapters, and it's really kind of three overarching topics, and they're broken like 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 into the the chapter sections. Pre- I mean, pretty well. So chapter one, which we were in last week and will be in this week, is all about truth and God's truth, and how do we know what's true, and why is it true? And then Peter's going to switch to Lies And how do we know what's false teaching and what's wrong? And, and then if you guessed it, the third chapter is the end of all things. And it's the return of Jesus and like the, the future, like what's coming up, like what does God have in store for the end? So this series, Truth Lies in the End of All Things is, a, is really the outline of the book of 2 Peter. So we are in chapter one and we're continuing in the truth part of this. And, and we'll be looking um, at what, uh, what Peter, uh, like like his understanding of truth. And I wanna start by asking a question that um, is, is probably easy to answer. Like you'll hear the question and you'll, you'll probably have a quick answer to it. And, and what I've realized, though, is the longer you think about it, the more, um, the more that answer might actually change. And that, that, like, your initial response is one thing, but, all right, hold on. If, if I do a little bit of self-reflection and, and really think about this, man, I don't, I don't know if that's my answer. I might need to change it. Here it is, ready? What role does the Bible have in your life? right out the gate all right well I, uh, I read it I believe it uh, it's God's word you probably have some quick answers all right great all right totally what do you believe about the Bible all right here's what I believe all right but let me ask again what role does it serve in your life more than just what do you understand it to be what function does it serve in your life now that's a different question there's one thing where we could say. Uh, here's what I believe about. It. I believe. Uh, I believe that it's. I believe that it's God's word. I believe when you read the Bible, you're hearing from God. God. God wrote this through people, and He. It's what He wants us to know. All right. Great. Now, if that's true, if you would say like, yeah, I agree with that. I believe wholeheartedly i imagine there's probably a lot of us in here that would say yeah this is god's word and it is true and i believe it wonderful okay here's then the question then do you read it i mean do you honestly say uh, treat this as though when i open this up i'm waiting for god to speak to me and he's going to move in my life through the words of these pages that's different than just thinking well yeah, I, I, I know where my Bible is at I've read it before <laughs> I, I remember when, when I was um, when well, I just became a Christian and, uh, um, and uh, the Bible was brand new to me I mean I didn't know anything about anything about anything I was having lunch with a, uh, with a guy this last week and his story was kind of the same kind of started coming to church um, you know later like uh, in his teenage years and he's like I didn't know anything about anything I'm like yeah man like it's weird right like church is weird he's, uh, it's real weird it's like Christians are weird. And I said, I know all of them, every single one of them, including myself. Like it's just, it's just, church is just a weird thing if you've never been. And there's things that we do that we just take for granted. But, but you know, if you don't grow up in church, you don't know. You don't know why people are singing out loud. That's weird, right? It's not a concert. It's sort of like we're, we're in church. What are you doing? People are raising their hands sometimes, like really worshiping, like this is weird, Right? Um, we're going to do this later. We're going to drink, we're going to drink juice, right? Some might say Kool-Aid. We're going to drink the Kool-Aid. This is weird. And, and I remember the first time I started reading my Bible and, and I had this experience. And if you've grown up in church, this really, like, you probably can't really relate with this. If, if you started going like, you know, later in life, or you had at least a, a, a season where you didn't do church and then you start coming, um, Every time I read a verse in the Bible, every time I read something, it was brand new. I'd never heard it before, never. Things that everyone else had just taken for granted, I'm going, have you, I, 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 remember, I remember reading through, I started with Genesis and that was like a just total mind blow for me. I'm like, I, I can't handle this. That like God did all this in a day. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, and then another day and then in seven days, like, okay. But I remember reading through John and going through the book of John and just being amazed, going, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know that there were stories about Jesus. I got to John chapter three. You know what happens in chapter three? Verse 16 happens in chapter three. <laughs> Did you know that? I remember reading, I distinctly remember reading John three sixteen for the first time and going, this is an incredible verse. Do you guys know about this verse? Like, do you guys talk about this more? I had no idea. Like everyone has it memorized and that's like the verse, right? And I'm, I'm going, it brand new to me. So for me, when I opened it, I was literally, this is God speaking to me, like what he wants to say. And then, and then I noticed too, that like not everyone shared that same opinion or, or experience at least. They may have believed it, but man, how come you're not reading this? How come this isn't like affecting you like it is me? Peter is gonna, he's still in the truth section of, his, uh, of this book, this, this short letter he's writing. And here's what he's gonna say. And, and we're gonna work through the rest of the morning working through this statement. Nothing, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Nothing is more foundational for the way you live than how you view the Bible. Nothing in your life is, is more foundational than your understanding, your perspective, how you understand the scriptures. If you If you look at this and say, this is God's word. And when I open it, when I read it, he's speaking and it's what he wants me to know. And it has like, like, like Peter says, everything we need for godliness is in here, like found in here and this is it. Like I, I there's, it, there's, it was without error, it's without issue. It's like, this is what God wants me to read. That's gonna change and affect your life. Whether you, whether you go to church or not, whether like whoever you are, if you just, if you have that understanding of scripture to say, this is the word of God given to us through the Holy Spirit written down by men, but but this is from God, as like as, as uh, Paul writes in Timothy, this is God breathed. That'll affect your view and your uh, that'll affect your life, how you live your life. If you look at this as, hey, um, it's got some good stuff in it. It really does. It's got some good teaching. It's got some 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 wise principles to live by. But God's word, I don't know. Um, there's some things that are that are probably dated. That maybe didn't uh, they didn't. Um, uh, they didn't translate well over time. You know, this was written a couple thousand years ago, which by the way is a um, little older than you or I. It's a few years ago, this stuff was written down. I mean, it's a little older than our country. So you look at this and you say, ah, some of it, maybe, you know, the good stuff I like, some of the other stuff I don't like. If that's your understanding of scripture, it will, that has an effect on your life of how much of this you actually live out, how, many, how much of this is worthy of obeying. If you look at this as just another religious book amongst many religious books written by, you know, a religious guy and really a bunch of religious guys, but but it's nothing really special or unique that will affect how you live your life. If you look at this book like many skeptics do and say, well, this is um, this is a collection of writings and stories, especially stories about Jesus that are just legends and aren't, like they aren't really they can't be really trusted they were written hundreds of years later by a bunch of guys and, and, and they just were like creating this new religion and that's what we have if that's your understanding of this book that will affect your life nothing is more foundational to the way you live than how you view and interact with the Bible it's uh, in scripture it's compared to um, to solid food it's also compared to milk which is interesting Here's what that tells me, that regardless of your spiritual maturity, whether you're kind of spiritually, like a spiritual baby, kind of new to this thing, like I was, it's spiritual milk for you or, or you've, you've matured in your faith and you would say like, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a little bit further in my faith, like then it's solid food for you. And you never, you never graduate out of the Bible. You never graduate out of, of what this says. It's, it's both simple enough that, that anyone can read it, but it's, both, it's deep enough that you can spend the rest of your life studying it. It's compared to, to water, refreshing water. It's compared to honey, sweet honey. It's compared to gold. It's compared to a sword, a double-edged sword. Um, it's compared to an anchor. And James calls it a mirror, which shows us ourselves. It's compared to a, a lamp. Um, it's, and then we'll see this morning, it's compared to a light shining in the darkness. There's so many things that this is compared to. And, and what all of them have in common, like there's a theme through all of them as, as kind of random as that list is that, that the Bible kind of how it describes itself. Here it is, ready? Here's the common theme. All of them are useful for us. They're meant to be used for us, by, by us for something. Here's what this means, that the Bible is giving us all of these kind of metaphors for itself saying, it's meant, ready for this? It's meant to be used. The reason you put a mirror up in your home is so that you can use it and see yourself. There's a reason mirrors are in bathrooms and not like in every other room. First of all, you don't want to see yourself that much all day, right? Morning and night, that's good enough. <laughs> There's a reason we have all of these things. And, and the Bible is given like described in these ways because it's meant to be used. In Peter's mind, what we all need what we need to know is just, just how important and trustworthy this, this book is. So here's what we're gonna see. First thing, as we read our Bible, we're gonna do it. Ready, here it is. To be reminded of what's true. To be reminded of what's true, we read our Bible. To be reminded of what's true in life and what's tr- what the Lord says is true, you read the scriptures. Peter's gonna start by talking um, about, uh, about this. And um, the longer you've been a follower of Jesus, um, the truer this becomes, the more you need to be reminded. Again, when I was a new Christian, and maybe you have a similar kind of experience when you start reading the Bible, it's all new. It's, you got questions, it's all fresh. The first time you read it, it's like, wow, I never read that before. Then the second time you read it, oh yeah I've read that I remember that part and then the third time you read it oh I'll just skip over that I have already know all that and then by the time you get to like you know be, you become kind of an older Christian here's the deal ready here's what this becomes when you're a new Christian everything is new when you're an old Christian something terrible happens everything becomes a really bad word everything becomes familiar it just becomes oh yeah I know that it just becomes common and if we're not careful, we can show up on a Sunday and, and think like, all right, here's the role, ready? Pastor, guy on the stage, teach me something new. Tell me something I don't know. I come here to learn, you better learn me something. <laughs> now, listen, I applaud you. You should be showing up saying like, I wanna learn. I, like I, if, you're, if you're showing up being like, I don't wanna learn a thing, you shut off. That's, what are you doing here, right? But you're here to say, all right, I wanna learn. I wanna understand, I wanna grow. great. But listen, I can, I can, I can say this with, with full certainty that if you've been a Christian for any number of times, like any, any amount of years, and some of us like decades, you know more than you think you do about the Bible. You really do. You know more than you, you, than you think you do. You're, you're, you understand more than you think you do, though you might not have it memorized or feel like you don't have a good handle on like all the various intricacies of theology. And if someone asks you a, a really difficult question, you might feel overwhelmed, but I'm telling you, you know more than you think you do. And what Peter is telling us is here's the deal, ready? You need to be reminded of what you know. Here's what he says. So, after last week for him it was just a you know, few verses earlier last week we looked at kind of the process of spiritual growth and how you become spiritually mature and he says this alright so now now that we've talked about that here's the deal so I will always here it is remind you of these things even though you know them listen you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have this isn't like some new thing that i'm teaching you you are firmly established in the truth in the goodness in the good news in the gospel of jesus and you know these things but here's what i'm going to do ready i'm going to always remind you you don't graduate out of this you don't move past the gospel and think all right now teach me something i don't know i think it is right he goes on to say to refresh your memory as long as i live in the tent of this body as long as I'm alive, here's my role. I'm gonna refresh your memory because I know that I will soon put it aside. This, the tent of this body, I will soon put it aside as, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made it clear to me and I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to, he says it again, to remember these things. Here's what he tells us. Two things. one, he knows he's at the end of his life somehow. It's been, he says it's been revealed by the Lord Jesus that, that he's coming, that he will soon put aside the tent of this body, that he's, he doesn't have much longer to live. And so he's writing 2 Peter knowing that, hey, I'm at the end here. And here's what I want you to know, ready? It's what you already know. I'm gonna remind you yet again what you know. Because like it's so easy to become familiar with it all that we, we miss its power. And then the second thing, he says that, that his priority, his kind of dying words isn't to teach them new things but to say you already know this and, I'm gonna, and, and when I leave, I'm writing these down so that you will remember them. Right, let's do some just, just, just to prove you, knew, you know more than you think you do just some some quick math I know it's early on a Sunday we're not you know you're not supposed to have uh, homework on you know the school days uh, non-school days but here we go ready okay some quick math let's just assume there's 52 weeks in a year did you know that I, you know there you go Boom, you learned something new today there's 52 weeks in a year let's assume you go to church regularly for one year let's say you get to 50 you miss a couple because you know you get sick or you know something happens all right on average, 50. 50 is high, but we'll just use it because it's an easy number. 50 50 times a year, you're coming to church. Let's say you're, uh, you've been uh, going to church now for 10 years. Some of us has been a lot longer, right? Decades. We'll just use 10. If, on average, then let's just say you've, you've gone 50 times a year for 10 years. Here's the deal, ready? You have sat through 500 sermons Of pastors just droning on and on and on. There's no shortage of content that you haven't heard. Now, listen, I 50 might be high. You may say like, you know what? I've only I come about every other week. All right, so you've got 25 a year. In 10 years, you've listened to 250 messages. It isn't like you're you're showing up going like, I've never heard a pastor talk about this before and there may be instances of that but like listen you know a lot you've accessed a lot you've been you, 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 you've, you have, you have, you have the, the access and interaction to so much stuff Peter understands this and we, you, you and I we have so much more access now than even they did we have this thing called the internet at any minute you can pull out your phone and Google you know a question or a theology or an issue and you can be off to the races reading all kinds of stuff stuff that they never had access to I don't know if you know this but back then like, like even like 500 years later like, like uh, Luther and, and um, like, like the pillars of the faith they had to read books did you know that? they didn't have the internet they didn't have an iPhone wasn't, wasn't available yet they had to actually do the work. You and I, man, we just have it all in front of us. There's no shortage of content. What Paul, what Peter is saying is this: <sighs> I just want you to remember what you know. I'm going to remind you what you know. To 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 be reminded of what's true. We read this. Uh, Mark Twain. He said this. This is great. This probably uh, this this. Uh, this is probably where I would like describes me as well He says this Most people are bothered by those passages in scripture Which they cannot understand We come to a difficult passage We read something uh, Especially if it's like you know future end time stuff And we're going okay I don't know what this means Or some sort of prophecy Or some sort of poetic language And we're, we're going I don't really understand this and he says, some, mo- Most people are bothered by that But he says this, But as for me, I always notice that the passages in Scripture which trouble me the most are those which I do understand. It's the ones where I read and say, I know exactly what that means, and that's not easy. When Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, it's not confusing. We're not going, I wonder what he means by love. Does he really mean what, what he says he means? We hear that and we say, I know exactly what he's saying. And that's hard. Ooh, that's, that's the stuff that's difficult to do. It isn't that you don't know the truth of scripture. If you've been around for a while, you've been a follower of Jesus for a while, it's that you do know. And Peter is saying, and I just want to keep reminding you and keep reminding you. Reading the Bible reminds us of what's true. Here's the second thing. To hear from God, we read the Bible. Peter tells us now of his own experience uh, as an eyewitness. And, and he's gonna, um, this can't be overstated, by the way. This is so important because so many times um, critics will say that the Bible is a collection of, uh, of stories that were made by, by, uh, by guys who lived hundreds of years later, who got together in councils or synods and, and, got to, and then decided what, what, like, what the Bible would be and, and, and made up these stories uh, about Jesus that were written, written far after the fact and they'll, you know, they'll get together and they'll write books about, um, about uh, you know, the, the age of the books and when they're written and, and there's no way that Peter wrote these or Paul that these were written later. The fact, certainly the gospels are these, none of these are genuine and, and they go through this elaborate scheme and, and like discussion of, of describing how this was decided hundreds of years later by people who were never alive. And, and if, if I'm like, I can't remember who said this once. I listened to a pastor once and he goes, man, there'd be so many issues would be cleared up about the Bible, if people just read the Bible? Like if you just opened it and say, let's just read it. Let's just read what it says. So let's look at what, what Peter says, his understanding of this stuff. Here's what he says For we, that like us, me, as well as the other apostles and those who are, who, are, uh, who are teaching the gospel, we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in power. But instead, he says, We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Listen, we weren't creating some like fairy tales. We weren't making stuff up or trying to come up with some elaborate scheme or story here. Here's the deal, ready? We were eyewitnesses to all this. We saw this. And now he's gonna tell us specifically an instance that stuck with him for the rest of his life. And if you and I were there, it would have stuck with us. He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him for the majestic glory saying this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And then he's going to tell us where he heard this. We ourselves, we ourselves as eyewitnesses, you can go ask the other guys, we ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. He's mentioning a a specific instance where he says, I heard God's voice. I'm an eyewitness, or we could say an ear witness. That's a good dad joke, by the way. I heard this when I was on that mountain. And what he's talking about is in Matthew 17, what's often referred to as the transfiguration of Jesus. That Jesus takes his closest disciples, closest followers, and, he, and they go up to a mountain and they stay there. And then it says that, and he was transfigured in front of them. And we don't really have a good, like, English word. This translation is kind of funky because, like, what does that even mean, transfigured? It's like the closest we got to say, like, nah, this means, like, to change your figure transfigured okay let's do it so jesus transfigured in front of them and it says he shone like like it was white as snow and he glowed and that the, the father showed up like the voice from heaven showed up and these other other like old testament saints show up and 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 they're having this experience going what is going on and peter's peter you can imagine if you're there he, it says that he felt that they fell down terrified terrified and jesus has to like bring them back up and be like hey it's okay it's okay it's still me and he's writing about this now decades later and saying like, listen, you think we made this stuff up, but I was there. I I was on the mountain. I heard the voice. And you can ask the other guys too. We're not making this stuff up. And so what we understand for us is that Peter then is writing this down and, and you and I aren't like going up on a mountain with Jesus to see him transfigured and hear a voice, but we read from the guys who did. We read from the guys who were with Jesus and heard what he said, and wrote it down for us, so so what, what to hear from God, we read the scriptures, not some cleverly devised stories, but but from the guys who were eyewitnesses one of the um, one of the um, one of the prerequisites for something being included in the, in the Bible, certainly at least in the New Testament, is you had to be either a firsthand eyewitness or you had to have spoken and talked and got your info from a source of a firsthand eyewitness. You had to be either someone who did talk with Jesus and walked with Jesus and heard it, or at most you could be one step away and be interviewing the people who did, almost like kind of writing a biography. If if, if you were outside that chain, if you were further away, it was considered not worthy of going in because it was all about, tell us what happened. We want to know what happened from the people who actually experienced it. And they write it down. And so for us, we have this and we read what they wrote. And what they wrote is what God wants us to know. And his divine power has given us last week. We saw this everything we need for a godly life, and we have it. Whew. And I'm sure a lot of us in here would, would agree with that and say, yeah, absolutely. So what role does this serve in your life? Um, there's so, so like so many times we can consider the Bible as um, as uh, almost an entity unto itself. And I remember when my wife and I got married, we, uh, I don't remember who gave it to us, but they gave us, uh, you know, this really big, ornate family Bible. And it was sort of like this thing that was supposed to be meant to be handed down from generation to generation. I, I'm, if I'm honest, I don't even know where it is right now. I know we have it somewhere, but, but listen, it's not serving its purpose. The Bible was not meant to be like on display as like a, look, look at how cool this cover is. I, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't breathe on it. But look how great this is. No, the role, like the role it serves is not like, oh, wow, we really appreciate the Bible so much, we're going to put it in a glass case. The Bible's meant to be read and believed and understood and acted upon. To hear from God, we read our Bible. And then he's going to switch to now, uh, we're going to spend some time on this to talk about what, what this means. To live under God's authority we read our Bible. Now this is important. Peter's now gonna bridge this section to the next and he's gonna talk, um, uh, he does so with probably one of the most important passages um, about the Bible. Like the, when the Bible talks about itself and how it views itself, this next passage is one of those that, that we look to and say, all right, this is what the Bible, how the, how the scripture understands scripture. Here's what he says in verse 19. We also have the prophetic message As something completely reliable. And you will do well to pay attention to it. And he says this as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Okay, stop. First of all, awesome. That is awesome literary skills, Peter. That sounds, this sounds like it could come from a movie, right? I mean, this sounds like, like, uh, I, you know, like pick any pick any like epic movie that has a speech, like Braveheart or something. Like this sounds like a, a bra- or Gladiator speech, right? Where you're like, yes, the the day the dawn the until the day dawns in the morning star rises in your hearts. You're like, yes, let's go. I'm ready to. I'm ready, right? It actually sounds like this. I realized this last service. It actually sounds like the Dark Knight, <laughs> like the movie, like Batman. <laughs> like oh the day is darkest before the dawn you're going yeah that's that's really 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 poetic here's what that means it's dark before it's light oh yeah that's that's great but peter writes this but what is he saying like this is so kind of confusing here's what we'll see especially in chapter three anytime we see in scripture there's a mention of the day or that day it's referring to a specific day And that day is future and is referring to specifically like the the judgment day, the day when everything is kind of made right. It's sort of like everything is leading up, uh, like throughout all history is leading up until that point where God makes everything permanent and final on that day. Did you hear that? No big deal. It was was stuck stuck to a beard hair. Okay. That hurt. That hurt. Uh, Can we edit that out? Here's what he says. Anytime you see the word like that day or the day, it's referring to this future moment. Here's what, here's what Peter is saying. Until this day, until that day, that, that day dawn, till that day comes, we have this as a, a light in a dark place. And then on that day when that day comes something else will happen a morning star will rise in your hearts now the morning star is a very specific reference and this shows up in revelation a few times and the morning star ready for this is a reference to jesus jesus actually is this morning star he's called the great morning star and it's this this morning star, that's like it's meant to be to be uh, like a guiding light. It was probably um, in in their times, like in I mean, Greek culture, is often referenced to as the planet Venus. Like you could see Venus, this really bright planet, and uh, and it was referred to as the morning star. And so Jesus is now is referred to as this great guiding light in the morning that kind of that shines brighter than the rest. And it says when this. this will serve as our light until this morning star, until Jesus arises in our hearts on that day. Here's what it's saying. Until you and I meet Jesus, until we can get firsthand interaction and understanding of him and what he wants, here's what we have. We have this. We have the Bible. And we read this as a a light shining in darkness until we get to the point where we can say, I can read stories about Jesus or there he is. Let's go ask him. (laughs) Let's go talk to him. Until that day, we have this. And then he says this, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by by the prophet's own interpretation of things. This is important. For prophecy never had its origin in in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along, or some translations say moved by the Holy Spirit. He says that listen, all of this, and, he, and he's referencing specifically Old Testament prophecy. And but you and I, we now include the New Testament now because it's like the story continued, and, and even what Peter's writing gets included in this now. But he's saying none of listen, this is none of this was made up by people. None of this is like the the prophet saying this is what uh, what uh, I think this means. So I'm just going to write down what uh, what I want you to do. He says no, none of this, none of this was the had the origin in human will, but men they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit that the God actually moved somehow in and through them and this is why it says that like Paul writes in the scriptures God breathe like, like he's, he's, he's interacting through them and, and, and they're writing down what he wants them to write down and they're, they're being used through the Holy Spirit to communicate God's word for us now if you believe that to be true and you say yeah that's, that's what the Bible says I'm in I'm, uh, yeah I believe it all right then what role does this play in your life? If that's true, then that means anytime you open this, anytime you open this, you, you rightfully can expect God to speak and move in your life. All right, God, I want you to speak to me. I want, I want to know what you want, to, what, what, what you want me to know, all right? You want, listen, if that's the case, and there's no reason we shouldn't be reading this so much more than we do, so much more that we say, man, I, I just, it's not about like reading it as like a checkoff list or some, you know, I just, uh, as a chore to do, but rather I, I, I view this as God's word speaking and he wants me, like in this is everything I need for godly living. All right, I want to know this more. I want to read this more. Uh, you and I, um, this, is, this is what he's saying. To live, if we read our Bible, we do this, to live under God's authority. We all live under the authority of something. We all have some sort of life authority. You do. And Christian, not Christian, you know, religious, not religious, it doesn't matter. Like whoever you are in the world, we all live under some kind of life authority that, that helps guide our decisions. It's the thing by which we live and say, this is my sort of my guiding light. My life authority is this thing. This is the above all else, above all deciding factors in my life, it's this. And we all have that thing. and and here's the deal we all get to decide what that thing is and in culture today here's the predominant one ready the predominant thing that's like the this is my life authority this is the thing that that by which I decide like what I do and where I go and how I live is this ready ready for this it's myself it's me more than anything else more than a boss or a parent or a spouse, um, more than, more than you know, laws or morality or religious people or some book, more than anything else. Here's what, uh, here's what guides my life, me. I decide what I wanna do. I decide the course of my life. And here's what we're really saying, ready? We're not, like, when you say like, I decide, here's what that means. I am guided by what I feel. I'm guided by my feelings. My feelings dictate what I do. And if, if, like, if there are the things that make me feel good, I'm gonna do more of that. And things that make me feel bad, I'm gonna not do that. I'm gonna avoid those. It doesn't matter what that is, and it's different for everyone. And, and here's the thing, that feeling that you have, listen, listen, ready? We're gonna spend some, a little bit of time on this because I, like, this is important to get in. That feeling that you have of like, this is what I feel I want to do or feel that this is, you know, direction I want to go. Listen, that is completely untrustworthy. Your feelings are completely untrustworthy. They're not, it's not a good, it's not good enough guiding light to say like, I just, I just do what I feel. I just live, kind of stay true to myself. Although that sounds great. You know, looks, you know, put on a t-shirt and sell them like that. It's a terrible way to live. And here's how you know, ready? Okay, I want you to just do a little bit of work here. Um, I want you to think back when you were, when you were five years old. You're five. You remember, I don't see any five-year-old, so I think we're all older than five. Okay, good. When you were five years old, think back of what your life was like and what you felt. Now imagine you live the rest of your life with that kind of, that, like, that desire to just do what I wanna do when I'm five. First of all, that would be an awesome life right no responsibility no issues like hey i want to go outside and i want to put a stick in mud and i just do it like that sounds awesome but you get to a point where you realize like of course you can't live that way forever and and it doesn't take long and in fact probably like age 10 you look back and when you're age five and you're like man i was i was so immature i can't believe i did that when i when i was five like i was man some of the things i did was so dumb And especially if you have a sibling who are older, like your ten year old will look at the five year old and be like, "Man, I never did any of that. I can't believe they're so immature and so rowdy and misbehaved." And you're going, "Dude, you were way worse." What do you mean you were never like that? Because you you matured. And and they look back. And then something else happens. You like even from like ten to twelve, like the twelve year old will look back and be like, "You're so pathetic." Like, you're so immature. Like, like some of the things, like, I just don't know why you're making some of the decisions you're making. And then you become, like, just a few years later, you get to like 15 or 16, and now you're like a grown up because you can drive. And you look back and you're like, man, my 12-year-old self, I was so immature. I was, I was so immature. I, some of the decisions I made were so dumb. And then you graduate and you're like in your 20s, you're in college, looking back, and you're like, man, when I was in high school, I didn't, I didn't know anything. I thought I knew everything. I didn't know anything. And you look back, you're like, man, I can't believe it. Why did I date that person? They're a terrible person. Like, you know, I'm like, mom, why didn't you tell me? We tried, we tried, but you were in love. And so, you know, and you, and then you fast forward and you go to like 32, when you're 32, you look back when you're 22 and you're going, man, I didn't know anything. Like if I just trusted the, the feelings of the 22 year old self the rest of my life, man, I, that's a m- terrible life it'd be completely selfish I remember in my 20s being in college being like I think I know everything there is I literally I, like, there's nothing in that it exists that I don't know and now I look back going like I didn't know anything I don't know anything like the older you get the more you realize I don't know anything and then you get to the point where you're like 40s like 40's not old by the way <laughs> and I look back and you know look back at my you know 30 going like man I didn't know, like, I, I'm, I, I could have done so much better. And I imagine now, fast-forwarding my life and getting to 60 and looking back at where I am now, like at 40 and going, man, I made some dumb decisions. Man, I, I, I probably could have done that better. I could have done this better. And then I imagine some of us, maybe when you, like, some of us are older, maybe like get to at the point where you're like 80, 90. Anyone? Okay, good. We, that's still in front of most of us. But listen, you'll get to that point and you'll look back and you'll think, man, when I was 60, I just retired, or was 65. and I, Man, I made some dumb decisions. Like I thought I had it all figured out. You look back going like, man, oh, I, I can't, I, I wish I could go back to my younger self when I retired. And here's the deal, okay? At any point in your stage in your life, ready? You have not arrived at wisdom yet. So at any point where you're saying, I'm trusting my feelings, I trust myself, here's the deal, ready? Those feelings will lead you astray because just in a few short years, your feelings will be different and you'll realize, oh man, I shouldn't have trusted that. I imagine if, for, you know, let's say you're 90 and you, you pass away now and you fast forward into eternity and now a hundred years later, you're 190, you'll look back at your 90 year old self and go, I was so dumb, <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't believe I didn't have all this figured out. Like, what was wrong with me? Here's the deal. If, if you are your guiding light, you will lead yourself astray. You will. Because you have never arrived. And there's always, like you're always growing and maturing. And if, and if you're guiding, if your authority, what you make decisions is what I feel right now, you will make tragic decisions for your life. That's not a good, listen, this how I feel is not a good life authority for you. So what about what about this? Here's another one. Another one that we often will use is a society or a culture around you will say, well, I'm a, pro, a product of our culture. And and to a degree, yes, that's true. But I don't know if there's ever a great time to illustrate just just how how wishy-washy culture is than in an election cycle. When we're there. I mean, we're we're literally like a week from it. And if if there was ever a time where you see like the, the world's changing back and forth and culture changes so quickly, it's been in the past few years. And, and we see this, this man, the greatest illustration I think we can probably point to of just how like terrible the, the culture authority is in your life is, uh, is right now in the life of politicians who will literally, their guiding light is culture right now. And it's your vote. They will say and do anything for your vote. That's all it is it's all that matters whether they do those things they go oh, no I'm not actually going to do those things I'm just saying I'm going to do those things but like for us if culture is your your guiding light culture is always changing you're never good enough insecurity is in an epidemic an all time high because we never know what's right and wrong and like we feel like we're letting everyone down if culture is your authority I promise you it will lead to terrible life decisions so here's what we're left with. Ready? This. There's something, there's something amazing about saying this is thousands of years old. It hasn't changed. There's no election cycle where you say, oh, actually, you know what? We changed our mind. This doesn't apply anymore. If for 2,000 years now, since this has been completed, we have this and we say, this is now everything we need. And, and this, like, I'm gonna, if I'm gonna base my life on this as my life authority, ooh. Now we're talking. You can look at people's lives who, who follow this and, and you can go back a thousand years to guys who are writing about the scriptures and their lives are changed by the gospel and, and 1,500 years and, and 1,700 years and you, could, and you can read their writings and say, man, I've had some of those same experiences. <laughs> like what they experienced 1,500 years ago. Luther is writing about this and you're going, man, Luther, like, I'm feeling some of that same stuff. Yeah. Sola scriptura, through scripture alone. Uh, Yeah. And the reason is because God hasn't changed, and he won't change, and he doesn't change, and he gave us this and this, this. Peter tells us, it's not written by human, human will, and we decide what it is, but rather men Move, like literally, from God. moved by the Holy Spirit. Wrote down what God wants, and here it is, and you have it. You have multiple copies of it in your possession. All right. Here's the question. Ready? What role does this play in your life? It can't just be I have a copy of it. Let me let me let me dust it off and give us. Oh yeah. So I remember when I read this ten years ago. Ooh. If we say and we understand this to be our life authority and the foundation by which we make our decisions. Oh, man. Here's what that means. We should be in it. Not because some guy on the stage is telling you, but because, man, this has the power to change your life. This really does. And if you don't know where to start, here it is, ready? You can start where, where I started. I started in Genesis and got through that and it was great. And then I realized you can read it out of order. You're allowed to. It's great. And I started with the book of John and I read through the, just the, the life of Jesus John chapter 1 page 1 alright here we go If you've never read the Bible and like really said like alright I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this seriously and start in John and just start reading and pick it up tomorrow where you left off today and just start reading and, and you'll be amazed at just just how transformative this is in your life would you do this would you stand with me we're gonna worship the Lord together and then Uh, you see our our elements we're going to take communion here after this next song but um, I'm going to pray for us and and I'm going to encourage you too I I, I'm going to keep saying this Um, we between uh, during this last song if you would like prayer you don't have to wait you can come we'll have a prayer team down here would love to pray with you to pray for you if if uh, if you just need encouragement or, or just, you know, about reading the scriptures or just understand or you need help with an re- area of relationship or you just, you just want someone to pray with you, you can come up during, literally during this last song and, and there'll be people who would love to pray with you, pray for you. Would you do this? Would you pray with me? So Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for your word that it is, it is, the foundation of which we can build our life on. Jesus says, his words are the foundations, not sinking sand, but a foundation by which we can build our home. Help us to understand just how incredible your word is and how much it can change us. We worship you now. In Jesus' name.